Hello, and welcome to the Almost Enlightened podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and today I am thrilled to do my first ever interview with someone that doesn't have the same last name as me. I am interviewing my friend, my mentor, someone who's inspired me since I started in the corporate world. Her name is Terry Craig. And before I introduce you and hand the mic over to you, Terry, um, I just want to let you know how much you mean to me. I met you, uh, it must have been in 2001, and I'm a young dude, a wannabe rock and roll musician who gets into the promo industry because I felt that um, it was temporary. You are a rock star. People actually describe you as a rock star. My mentor and my boss at the time, he told me, you got to watch this woman. You've got to see what she is capable of doing. And... I do. I do exactly that. I'm young. I'm impressionable. I, I, I take a look at what you do, how you do it, the passion you bring to, to the industry, to everything you do. And I realize, holy smokes, this woman is creative. She is intelligent. She has instincts that I've never, I've never really seen. I mean, I, the corporate world was new to me. And to have a mentor like you, Terry, from day one was... I mean, beyond anything I could have ever asked for. And then later on in, in my career at that same company, you know, we start working together more on a marketing, uh, in, in a marketing role together. And I see the further brilliance, the further creativity, and we get to know one another and become friends. And not one iota of what I felt then has changed in the sense of how much I value you as a human being, how special you are to me. And... Um, what an inspiration you are. And we certainly have spoken, um, because I've left the industry, but we speak a little bit less often these days, but we've kept in contact and we have our lunches. And you're quite aware that I've got this podcast and you say to me, hey, Alex, I, I would, I'd be interested. I would support you. I would do an interview with you. And, and we start brainstorming and, and we're going to tackle a subject today that I have never tackled, Terry. I have never spoken about love on this podcast. I have never done that. I flirted around the issue. I have done that. And we might get into why I haven't later on in the episode, but I haven't done that. And your suggestion was, hey, I have found the love of my life. I have found the love of my life and it is magical. It is beautiful. And we could talk about that, finding love later in life. Let's talk about finding love later in life. And of course, that resonates with me because I've got a similar story in finding love later on in life. And I just think this is going to be a marvelous podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. That was unexpected <laughs> and blushing as well. I can't even imagine, but thank you. And interestingly enough, Alex turned all that around and became my mentor and my boss later in our in our corporate relationship. So it has been an interesting journey for us, for sure. Uh, how I'm feeling today, uh, probably better than I ever have in my life on so many different levels. I mean, I am a mother uh, and a grandmother, and I raised my children, and I had all that joy from that early part of my life, which I loved. But this is kind of the reward for all the work now, where I am 63, ouch, <laughs> and um, 
was separated for seven years and really thinking that I was okay to be on my own because I am okay on my own. I have a lot of great friends and I have a large family and we spend a lot of time together. And I really was thinking that a, a man uh, would only be really interesting to me if they were going to enhance what I already had, as opposed to being somebody that I leaned on to give me anything. It was just to make everything I have better. Mm. And unbelievably, and the story will we will unfold um, in a total fluke moment, that man arrived. And he since then has enhanced every minute of every day of my life. That give you goosebumps? Because it certainly did for me. As you just heard, I have such tremendous admiration and respect for Terry, and I can't wait for you to hear the interview that I conducted with her just a few days ago. However, I'd like to discuss my own ineptitude for a moment before proceeding. As I sat down to analyze the recording, I was blown away by so many of the insights that Terry shared during this interview. In many instances, I can tell you it was as though I was hearing her words for the very first time. Have you ever done that with a book? Have you ever read it a second time only to realize that you missed an awful lot the first time? Because yes, that was me at times during this interview. As a novice interviewer, and because we were sharing one microphone, I missed so many opportunities to delve deeper into her thoughts and pearls of wisdom. So after a couple of days of reflection, I've decided that I'm going to interject every now and again throughout this interview so that I can elaborate or put my own spin on the knowledge that Terry was so gracious in sharing with us. I hope you don't mind. Now let's get back to our interview. I'm so utterly inspired by those words. It, it is something that is so beautiful to me. And just to see you radiate and as you walked in my house today, to see that energy and, and to see that beauty, I feel it. I know it to be true. And I, I certainly could feel that as we spoke on the phone because we haven't been able to see one another in this, in this COVID pandemic. Uh, I could sense that in, in our conversations that you had found something extremely real, extremely marvelous. And as you say, it's enhanced your life. And I, I find that unbelievable. I find that really cool that that was your concept. I, I would like someone to share and to enhance my life. And I'll bet you James would say the same thing. James is your partner. I'll bet you he would say the same thing, that, that you are enhancing his life. So before we get into the story, because I bet you people are dying to find out, well, how'd you meet? And, and, and like, how does this happen? Like, uh, let's, let's go back first. Let's go back to the beginning in chronological order. And I, I would love to ask you a couple of questions that I've never asked you in the past. So when you were younger, you came from a family, obviously. Were your parents always together? Did they get divorced? Uh, what was their relationship like? Uh, and the reason I ask that is I'm curious to, to, to find out what patterns our parents have and, and what patterns they give to us, if any. Do you find that that happened to you? Do you find that the relationship your parents had um, or have, I don't, I don't know if they're still around, but do, do you find that they have had an influence on the way you view love. And uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit about that and, and what that relationship was like when uh, when you were younger. That's a great question. I hadn't thought about that as a question, but it is probably a very relevant one. 
Um, my parents were divorced when I was 12. Um, yes, I, I suspect divorce or not divorce or whatever, however you live in a family affects virtually everything you do going forward. I think in the terms of bad marriages, you either repeat it or you completely avoid it. Um, so that's interesting. I think, to be honest, and my sister and I were just talking about this the other day, I think that I probably married someone similar to my father, and that would be a person who was emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that for years and didn't you know, analyze that. I'm just very busy having child after child. I have four children, by the way. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, I think that it certainly impacted it. But I think here's the part that I want everybody who's waiting to hear the story and how it happens to know is that virtually none of that is relevant at this phase of life. Mm. So both James and I, in talking about where we've been and our our histories are very different, um, is not really reflected in where we want to be. And because we are of an age and financial independence and able and willing to virtually do whatever we want to do, we no longer have the same needs in a partner. You know, when I, if I was 30 or 40, I'd be looking for someone who was going to parent my children or, you know, was going to be financially uh, moving up a ladder to support us all, whatever, you know, whatever the issues are. None of that's relevant. So when you remove all of that stress, that's where the, the beauty comes in and the, and the marvelousness of it because we're just getting to share all the good things that life has to offer. That's what we do. Mm. Our every day mm. is sharing. And we start off every day sharing the gratitude for the things that we have together and apart. Mm-hmm. We actually verbalize that because gratitude does affect your attitude. It actually improves your attitude. It changes everything. And you know, we, you and I have had that discussion many yes. times. And we, James and I are both, he's done a lot of um, self-evolving uh, self-searching things in his life, going through his relationships to get where he is today. I did less of that, probably not as much as I should have, um, but more so in the last little while after I had gotten out of the marriage and on my own and really realized that I had all this time to figure out who I really was. And I think that's probably one of the saddest things about being in a in a bad marriage is you are not who you really are. You are who you have to be. And that person is not somebody I necessarily enjoyed. And so the last seven years, I have really enjoyed just being myself and just being with myself, realizing that all the things that I had been dealing with were not who I really am. I am a person who literally wakes up every day grateful for everything. And I think about it every day. And I look out, I live on a, in a condo on a, on a beautiful deck looking out at this massive amount of trees and sunsets, and I, I can't not get through my day without feeling that, mm-hmm. the, the glory of it, the beauty of it. So coming into a relationship with that as, as my kind of way of living, seeing him in whatever state, I, I have those same feelings. Like he sometimes looks so beautiful to me physically because he's happy or joyful I, I, I'm like, in, I can't take it. It's mm. so wonderful that that person is in my life and he's just so lovely. He's just, 
you know, he's kind and he's, and he's smart and he's, he is the funniest person I've ever known. So for us, <laughs> we spend, we, we say 50%, it's probably more than that, but 50% of our life together is laughing. I mean, laughing, laughing, tear, oh. la tear laughing, belly laughing, falling off the bed laughing. Um, so that's really what it is. It, yes, I think that whatever your past is, it obviously forms you. Mm -hmm. And then you choose what to do with it. And I think one of the saddest things that I found about people, so many people, is that they aren't willing to take responsibility and accountability for that choice. Because even if you lived a rough life, and I didn't really live a rough childhood, my parents were divorced, and that was a big no-no back then, but, you know, in first world problems. Mm -hmm. But there are some kids who live, you know, hideous lives and in, in abusive families, and somehow they can still choose to be grateful, to be happy. And I truly believe everyone has the ability to make that choice and that a vast majority of human beings don't. Mm -hmm. they, they tend to wallow in what the bad things that happen to them, blame the people who cause those things to happen to them, and it's a comfort zone that they can't get out of. And I'm, say, I'm not saying it's a happy zone, but it's a comfort zone. Whoa, hold those presses. There is so much gold in what Terry was just saying that I'm going to spend a moment examining some of those golden insights. The first one is when she says, virtually none of that is relevant at this phase in life, speaking about the past patterns of her upbringing and equally as much about her previous marriage. She goes on to say much later in her answer that whatever your past is, it obviously forms you and then you choose what to do with it. Those are meaningful words that express the idea that your past is real and it has a hand in forming who you are. Nevertheless, in her words, you choose what to do with it. It's amazing how obvious that lesson is, but how difficult it can be for so many people to truly understand that at every minute of the day, you have a choice. You have a choice as to how you want to feel how you want to act, and how you're going to proceed. And here's the most comforting part of that reality. If you fail to understand that or have failed to understand that in the past, you have another opportunity to choose your path right now. You'll also have that opportunity tomorrow, the day after that, and for the rest of your life. So the question is, when will you make that choice to live the way you want to live? free of the past that you've let define your life until now. Let's keep this interview going. You have done the work. You, you, you kind of know who you are. You're comfortable with yourself. And as a result, what I've been learning and what I've been focusing on lately is that the more I work on myself, the more I, I love myself, uh, challenge myself to be a better human being, the, the, the more... I am capable of loving my wife, of loving my children, um, and ultimately loving myself, which is an issue that, I, that I, I think I have actually struggled with amazingly, and I didn't even realize it until somewhat recently. So all that to say, when I listen to what you're saying, what I'm hearing is that the experience shapes you, so you've had these experiences, you've gone through them, you understand, you've lived through different perspectives, seeing those different perspectives, and, and then... You, 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 you live this life where you've been working on yourself and in, in working on yourself and loving yourself, you, you attracted someone who you're able to um, mesh with in a, in a beautiful way. Did, did I get that right? 
to your point, I think the loving yourself part, or at, le at the very least accepting yourself and realizing you are who you are, and not to say that you can't make improvements, but something I, and I told James, I mean, J James and I have talked so much in our, in our, this relationship because of the COVID shutdown. But one of the things is when I, we were talking about my marriage and why it went bad, and there was, you know, a lot of reasons it did, but is the, the terminology that I came up with and that I use when to describe it is that I didn't like the, my reflection in his mirror. So when that mirror was gone, that person did not exist. That me that was what he saw or made me think he saw was gone because I wasn't in that environment anymore. And so it was, that was an amazing freedom for me just to say, God, I'm, I'm so different than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, let me ask you this. Um, do you think that the nature of how we understand love changes and evolves over a lifetime? How do you see love these days? And has that evolved over the years? Uh, definitely it's evolved, I guess. Uh, you know, you go from teenage love to marital love to children love to, I mean, you know, and, the, and then friends. Mm. I mean, it, they're mm. all different. Yeah. I think it is emotion-based, but I think the emotion-based part is the least important part and the the least long-term part. So, for example, another reason I didn't want to date uh, is because I saw a lot of my peers dating women, um, and I couldn't tolerate being around them because they were acting like they were 16 years old waiting for the phone to ring. Hmm. And it was like, you know, I'm so in love, and you so what? I'm thinking, okay, hello, we're like, we're like 58 or 60. What do you mean? And like, blah, you know, la, 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 la. And I was like, oh, my God. that. And I remember saying to one of my friends, if I ever meet somebody and I act like that, slap me upside the head. That's what I said. <laughs> it's like, ew. Um, so interestingly enough, James and my relationship, evolved differently than seems like most others. Most others seem to have this uh, chemical spark or whatever they call it on date one. And, you know, you know, in the first five minutes and we didn't have, neither of us actually had that. We, it, it, it wasn't a big bang. Wow. It was, I want to know more about this man. I want to know more about this woman. And we didn't actually have that kind of, not even so much passion, but a passionate breakthrough Okay. Okay. So we're, we're getting into the meat here of, of this newly forming relationship. But before we get there, let me know, Terry, because everyone's going to want to know, how did you guys actually meet? Like, how do you, how does this happen in, in your 60s? Like, how do you meet somebody these days? How do you trust who you're meeting? Uh, what forum are you using? You know, what, what happens, particularly during a, a COVID pandemic shutdown? How, how does this all happen? How does it unfold? Well, that's, that's actually the magic of the story that we're in, uh, we're in uh, COVID and we shouldn't even be probably doing that. But um, well, in the seven years that I was alone, I had gone online a couple of times. I really despise the process. It's so ingenuine to me. Um, I, it's hard to trust anybody. Um, you know, very many men online, you know, put that they're 5'10", 5'11", they're 5'3", when they get there <laughs> and, or they have this and they don't know they're, they're bald, but they had hair or, or cat, you know, all that stuff that I, that part. But the worst part of it for me was not that, it's that. I started to realize that people were swiping left, which just means I'm not interested. Ah, Based on what? 
Ah. I know who I am. And so without going on a date or without having a conversation based on my physical appearance, Uh which I get is is appealing to some and not to others, that that makes sense. But nobody's giving anybody an opportunity because Mm -hmm. of these these very superficial things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, and I was doing the same, but I was unhappy about my doing it to other people, other people doing it to me. So it's kind of disheartening to me, the whole process. I wanted to meet somebody organically. I kept saying that like every other lunatic. There is no organic meetings. People don't, you know, touch the same avocado and fall in love. That's, that's only in the movies. Um, you, you know, there's no gyms. There's no anywhere to go. So yeah. I was set up on one date um, by a friend, one in seven years, which surprised me because I know a lot of people who know a lot of people. But apparently people don't do that anymore because they're worried about I don't know, some sort of implosion or something. And it didn't go particularly well. He was fine, but I mean, it was it didn't happen. And so I came off for a while and I started to go back um, more so in August of that last year because I was in quarantine. I had gone to Seattle and I was going to have to quarantine at home. So, yeah, I'm sitting at home flipping through. And a friend a friend of mine had gone on Bumble. So I had been on Match and Plenty of Fish. And I, d- I never paid for any of them. Never. Just okay. whatever the free thing is and you see people. It's, anyway, it's such an ugly scenario. But she said, oh, no, you got to do it because then you get control and all these stories. And all these women all this uh, one night saying, Bumble, Bumble, Bumble. I said, sure, I'll do that. So I went on Bumble. Hated it from the minute I started. I bought a one-month membership. First of all, they use jargon that I hate. Like, you know, you, there's bees in your hive. And it's like, you know, like, <laughs> okay. like I'm 12. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like any of that. But anyway, so I went through and didn't find anybody of interest to me. And I made, I made sure I made very specific criteria mm-hmm. um, because what's the point, right? I mean, I know what I want and what I don't. And it's not I don't mean about appearance, but about, you know, what the stage they are in life. And, you know, if they're, if they got a bunch of kids at home, I mean, I've been there, done that. I don't want to do that. So th- it was very specific. And then Bumble kept writing to me and saying, you know, we don't have anybody in your criteria, but here's a whole bunch of other people. And of course, all of those people were people I would never, ever date. So it was like, anyway, so I stopped actually doing it. And then on August 21st. Um, of, of what year? 2020. 2020. Okay. So just over nine months ago. Um they wrote to me to say that my membership was up and did I want to renew and click here and I clicked here and to not renew and then I said you know I'm going to look through the inventory we call it one more time (laughs) and this picture of James came up and then I read his profile and he was all about golf and you did say he said something about uh, being good to other people and kindness which I the whole pay it forward thing which we can get into another time and so there was a lot that it was appealing to me. He was retired. Uh, he loved golf. He was loves to walk. All the things that I love to do. And I thought, okay. Um, and so I said, last day, last swipe. What the heck? Yeah, yeah. So I swiped right on James. And in Bumble, the man, if he swipes right before, he can't talk to me until I talk to him. But I don't know that. So when I swiped right, it said, you've boomed with James, which means James had already swiped <coughs> right on me. That means something else in it, uh, the hood in yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. So, uh, that's, <laughs> so and that's, and so hence, then I decided I only have about an hour left before they cut me off. I wrote to James on Bumble and said, we just, apparently we just boomed. Was it the golf? That was my opening line. Um and because he is a real golfer and he he saw that I golfed and he actually said no it was about the kindness and some of the things I'd said and we kind of went back and forth 
a very, very, very humorous conversation for a couple of days. Uh, sorry, not a couple of days, that day. And then we had to move to text because they were shutting me down on Bumble. And uh, after talking for a few days by text, um, we decided without a video call, without a phone call, without anything, that we would throw all caution to the wind and invest an hour in each other over a cup of coffee in a park. So you brought me up to date now, and you had just said prior to me asking that question that there was no massive I am head over heels from, from the minute you met. This, this isn't a story of seeing one another and being hit by Cupid's arrow. This is, this is a, this is, can we call it a slow burn? Like, what, how does this work? How does this look? What do you guys talk about on the first date that convinces you that, hmm, I, I, would, I would do a second one? Sure, I would do a second one. Um, for me, it was his sense of humor because it came out immediately and he was so comfortable in his own skin, which is, you know, that's hard. Those first dates aren't easy. Yes. It is actually better walking in a park with a cup of coffee or six feet apart doing your, you know, so it, 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 it's a little easier than sitting across the table knowing that you've got an hour and a half of dinner. We don't know how long this is going to take. And he was so forthcoming with his life. It's almost like he was a little bit like a volcano, you know, spewing out the lava. I was sitting there a lot of the time thinking, wow, wow, he just keeps talking and talking. We were two hours. Yeah. And I didn't say that much, um, which is very unusual for I me. I was just going to say that. No <laughs> way you didn't say much. <laughs> I didn't because he didn't give me a chance. He was really in a talking mode. And so it's like, wow, this is such a different, interesting person. Mm -hmm. And... But what's the interesting part, again, about making a choice? So physically, James is about one inch taller than I am, mm -hmm. um, and he's very slim. And I'm not slim, but I'm, I'm kind of normal. That felt weird to me. I, th I, I was thinking I needed somebody who was six foot two and bulky and stock because I'm five foot nine and you know, five foot eight, whatever I am. And so that actually played on my mind. Uh -huh. I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can do that. That's kind of weird. Anyway, I'm thinking all this when we're walking. And he says, do you want to have a second date and go to dinner? And I said, absolutely, because we were we had a lot of fun. And that's, you know, what, that doesn't, that's not commitment for life, right? We're just going to dinner. So a week later, we went to dinner. And we had a good time. And he came up to my condo for coffee. And I did say to him, we are going up just for coffee. And he thought there was anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. And he basically said, well, who do you think you are? Like, I wanted anything else. So... <laughs> Uh, we went for coffee, that's, and that's what we did. We had coffee. And then a week later, again, we went uh, golfing, and he came back for dinner. And then we had uh, probably four more dates before the, wow. Oh, wow. So I'm going to say it's six. I mean, we knew there was something brewing, but it wasn't that, okay, I'm going to jump out of my skin thing until date seven-ish. No kidding. Okay, I want to get into that in a couple of seconds, but I, I, I also want to ask you something about that first date. So I want to rewind just a couple of seconds, and, and you're saying that James is, he's, he's really talking, like he's, he's really letting you know about himself, about his life. And do you find that there's a beauty? Do you find that that probably set the tone for your relationship in the sense that you got to see and feel authenticity from, from, from day one? Because it, it's been a long time since I've dated, but, you know, I guess at a younger age when I was dating, it's all about impressing one another, right? And, and that's just ego. It, it comes from the ego. And so you, you don't set a relationship up on the right foot when that happens. And so for you to have had this moment in the park walking, having a couple of coffees, it seems to me like 
what a what a fabulous foundation. And even better that there wasn't this monstrous spark right from the outset. You just you were building in a beautiful logical progression. Could you have seen it that way? Uh, it, it is that way. And, and it says I've journaled it. I know it's that way because we, I was telling in each of the stories, uh, the book that I'm referring to, by the way, is uh, it's called Dear James. It's, huh. a, it's a journal um, and a storyteller, and they're all letters to him. Uh, and they start on August 21st. And uh, the last one I did was April. I feel bad now because we have been so busy. But I, I would write when he wasn't there. So we'd spend time together and he'd go home and do his thing for a couple of days and I would write what I was thinking when he wasn't there ah. about where we were and where we were going. So it it was a slower progression. Um, James, I think, was... It was probably James who set that tone because he had been in relationships before and he did not want to jump in with both feet. He wanted to mm -hmm. make sure that this was mm -hmm. going to be something that, you know, that he wanted to stick with. So... And I hadn't done this at all, so it was all new to me. Um, so we were, I was okay with that for a while. And then on, I guess it was date six or seven, um, and so unlike me, uh, just came out and said, so where are we going with this now? I want to talk to you about that journal. Journaling is something that I have never done and yet have started recently. And the, the way I use journaling these days is I, I will use it for affirmations. So I will, I will really write my life out. I will write it as it is, and I will write it as it will be. And that's the purpose of my journal these days is to really take inventory of where I'm at, understand what direction I want to move in, and then move towards that direction. So have you ever been a journaler? Were you a journaler for a long time? Okay, you're, you're shaking your head as a no. Okay, so let me let me continue the questioning then. So you, you've got this journal, it's called Dear James, and you start writing in it. Do you find that in doing that, you're now exploring your relationship, this growing relationship? You're exploring yourself, you're exploring James, and you're doing that in, in a manner that is slow and calm and reflective did you find those things happening or what was it like to, to journal and chronicle what you were going through? Uh, it was great for me and I'd never done it. I mean, I write, I am a writer. Um, and so writing comes easy to me, but the flow of this was like, there's sometimes I do five pages and didn't even realize that I was mm, yes, writing. Yes, yes. Um, and it was just, it, you know, the, it describes our days. It describes the feelings of, uh, that were growing and developing it, it, you know, it. I realized that we had had decided kind of to make a commitment to each other pretty early on, earlier than I thought. Probably, you know, end of October, and we only started dating in in August. Um, so the whole relationship is on paper, kind of, the, particularly the beginning. Um, and the, what the part that now, so now we get to date seven, eight, whatever it was, I don't remember. Um, you know, where we're we gonna go with this, and we decide to, you know, have the big sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, we're getting to the good part, folks. We're getting to the good part. So, okay. So, so, so you, so, so this is what, five dates in now, six dates in? You're like, okay, where, where are we going? Where, where are we going with this? Probably seven or eight dates in, and I think the sleepover was nine or 10, right? Nine, probably eight, eight or nine or 10. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're two adults, you're two educated, intelligent, emotionally intelligent people. And so there, there's no need for, for, 
for for the hoopla. There's no need for the, for the BS. Um, you just come out and say it. Where, where are we going? Like like that's the mature thing to do these days is is just ask. Like what what are we up to? Where are we going? And it is that you asked that question or who asked that question? You did. Um, well, because just it just seemed like it was going well because we were also I forgot we were joking. Um, I think I said it originally that you know just so you know um, I'm not that kind of girl it was right it was it will be 40 dates before we do anything ah and so we we were counting the dates and he would say that's date nine we're getting any closer and he said but if I come back if I go out the door and come back is it date ten <laughs> <laughs> but it was it. but it was actually James who was keeping that slower um, again because he wanted to make sure he didn't want to just jump into something. And I'm really happy you did that because again, it was new for me. I might've jumped in earlier. Um, and so we decided that it was time to have a sleepover. And, and that's, I mean, it was like that it was, that it was planned. It was, he was coming for like for the weekend and it was, you know, again, very mature, very thought out. And I have to say that after that night, um, well, I mean, it just raised things in me that I had no idea were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just crazy. And then that 16-year-old idiot passion. <laughs> yes, Six yes. weeks of, I was an insane person. Uh, no, no, I didn't. So that you, person I didn't, you despised, I, that person I, you were just talking about came out in you. Oh, my God. And I didn't even call my friends to talk about him because I was afraid <laughs> they were going to say, oh, ew. You know, like, oh, he's so wonderful. Um, so I did. I had this total six weeks of just... Oh my God! Every nerve ending was on fire, and I was in love. It was, it was, it was amazing. And he still, at that point, even at the beginning, is not even saying "I love you" yet. He said, "I like like you." <laughs> now here we go back to being five. Forget about the teenagers. I like like you, and they'd go and, and then we did things like you know we, he brought these beautiful movies into our life, just the most beautiful romantic movies. And in one of the movies, they show somebody kissing someone on the forehead, and that's supposed to be the ultimate sign of love, is kissing uh-huh. on the forehead, not on the lips, right? Because not sex, it's... Okay. Anyway, so he starts kissing me on the forehead all the time instead of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we were probably eight weeks in before he actually said the words. How does intimacy change the nature of a relationship? Well, for, for me, um, it had been so long. So not just the seven years of, of on my own. It was the many years in marriage before that. Sure, sure. So I literally thought this just wasn't part of my existence anymore, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the physical aspect, because for me, sex is not just physical. It's all emotional. I mean, I would never have had sex with someone just for the sake of having it. Never. Mm-hmm. It's just not, mm-hmm. not in my DNA. I wouldn't do it. It's not. So it, it would be emotionally connected. It would be love connected. So when that all happened, this big boom that happened... And the six weeks of crazed, um, I think it's because my my mind, my soul, my body could not take it. It was like, oh wow, this is this is what it's supposed to be like. So, all right, I'm gonna say a word. Um, that word is awareness, right? And so you've had an awareness of, of of intimacy before, but 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 for so many years, it looks like you hadn't. And now you've got this awareness, right? Like this awareness is open up in you. And, and like they say, once you have awareness, you, you can't become unaware anymore, right? So, so you've got these feelings down. Yes. And I think one of the biggest differences and things, see, this is the other thing about age and maturity and being where we are in the relationship. You know, the thought of being intimate with someone in this body, the 62 year old body 
after all this time was terrifying to mm-hmm. me. Like just, yes, yes, yes. okay, I how does that work? You. And oh my God, we just got, <clears> it's got to, not only let it be dark, I got to be, I don't know, I got to put a saran wrap all over everything that moves. It's like, oh my God, well, how's this going to work? This is awesome. I mean, <laughs> I, like, like, I, I need to know this. Yeah. I, I really do because people don't talk about this. Oh. Like, but you're so right. Like, like if, if I hadn't, if I had not been intimate in years, I, I would probably be terrified. Oh, yeah. What do I look like? Am I going to be any good? Like, uh, so, so all these things are going through your mind. Oh, 100% through my mind. Like, as we're leading up to it, not so much on the day of, because I would already established we were going to do it, but oh my, the whole time that it's coming, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, how yeah. can I do this? How can I lose 50 pounds in two weeks? <laughs> you know, how can I, you know, can I go and get the uh, ice lasering off my belly? Whatever, you know. <laughs> anyway, so... All of that being said, I have never been so comfortable with a person in my entire life. Uh, there was there was none of it at the moment, at, at the time of. There has never been. Um, we, because of this COVID lockdown and the amount, of, the amount we had talked, and because it was date 10 or whatever it was, and we had spent so much time talking by text, in person, on the phone, um, but mostly in person, actually, by then, um, There was just zero discomfort and there is zero discomfort today in anything we do. So making a big step like we're making could be very uncomfortable, scary, none of that. We, We bonded, I think. So you're talking about love and intimacy. Did it, yes, there's the passion part, but what the, the intimacy and love did for us or certainly for me is just solidify. Mm hmm the greatness of our relationship. And I say greatness because, yes, we're only nine months in, but with in COVID time, that's probably two or three years. Yes, we're going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah. We don't, we don't fight. Um, not to say we don't disagree, because we do. We have learned to push each other's buttons and then to unpress very quickly um, by making the other laugh usually, <laughs> uh, which is a very, very good thing to do. Um, and so the comfort level that we're at is in every single thing we do in the intimacy piece of it, because it is only a piece of it, because if it went away for whatever reason, if, if it disappeared because something happened to somebody or, you know, whatever the reasons are, it would not change the relationship for me at all. I totally get that. I totally get that. Having, having been in a relationship as long as I have been, <clears throat> I understand that there are periods where you're, you're very intimate and, and it's just, it's almost cyclical. And then there are periods where you focus on other things and it might be kids, it might be career, it might be health, it might be whatever, where, where you're not intimate for a while. But I think, I think I feel where you're coming from here, that it just adds another layer to an already unbelievable relationship. So, um, you said nine months, like that this must shock people that, that, that you've only been together nine months and, and tell me what are your plans together? You've made some, I know this. So, so I'm, I'm asking, I'm leading the witness here, but you've made some unbelievable decisions, like some huge decisions that would make some people's eyebrows raise. Nevertheless, you know, in your heart, you're making the right decisions. Tell me about some of those decisions that you've made lately. All right. Not that I want to stop this interview right now, because as insightful as it's been, it's about to get a whole lot more insightful. However, my MO is to provide you meaningful thoughts and meaningful conversation in a digestible allotment of time. So I'm going to stick to my formula and end this interview at this point for now. What I mean by that is we'll pick it up again at the same spot next week when we'll dive into some heavy duty topics like fear, 
decision-making, finding genuine, fulfilling needs, and the joy inherent in truly giving one's love to someone. Hey, thanks for sharing this unique experience with me and Terry. I look forward to sharing even more next week. And know that in the meantime, I appreciate you. Thank you.